Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast. A podcast where we enunciate every single syllable, every single digraph, every single trigraph that we encounter. My name is Alan, I'm going to be your host for this lovely month of February. And with me is a man who loves words. He loves a good word. He loves putting a, a word or two out into the abyss and hoping that, you know, everyone hears it. So it's Matt Sainsbury. I don't know if I want people to hear my words, to be honest. Yeah. When when I say well, things, people get upset, so. Yeah. It's not incorrect. <laughs> there are, I feel like every couple of days I see your Twitter and someone's pissed off at you. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's what and I do. Whether or not it's it's justified or not is up to debate, <laughs> but it happens. How are you then, Matt? Are you good? I'm swell. I'm happy to be back. 2024. I'm still around, which is a pretty good achievement, I reckon. Good for you. Well done. It's about the best <laughs> I can hope for. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it great? Isn't it I'm lovely? I'm still hanging around. I'm, I'm still there. He's hanging. You've got the picture of that cat that I saw in every like stereotypical yeah. 80s like basement from an American film. It's just it's iconic, you know? <laughs> With us as well is another man who enjoys a good word. In fact, I would call him a, a man who is a, a smith of words. It's Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Good good morning. That's that's very kind of you. I there are very few things I can successfully smith, but I would hope that words are part of that. See, and I'm imagining you dressed as the guy from Demon Souls, like the the big, like, yeah, uh, the the guy that's like Smith guy. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, but you're just like you're just like writing, beating the, the crap out of some books. <laughs> yeah, as they deserve it, those damn books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how dare they try to teach us, right? No, exactly. Look, they're lucky they're not getting burned, as I would say. And a man who has moderate respect for words yet wisdom no that's not the right word shit yet with wisdom weaves them you were doing so well alan i was doing doing so so well well. (laughs) i was i was thematic i was working it and you know what it's trent hello trent hello i good at word too a good word oh yes what have we been been playing trent what you've been playing what I've been playing, I've been playing an avocado. It came out January, yes, January, and I've been playing all of it. And then now I'm back on Pokemon because I realized that there's an epilogue, and so I'm playing that. But I haven't figured out aren't there meant to be like the legendary, like normal dog legendaries in there now? How do you get them? What you're playing Pokemon? I thought people were just playing Power World. No, people are still playing. Well, people were playing Pokemon before Power World came out. Everyone was playing the epilogue, and then I sort of like took my time to get to that point because I was playing another code. So now I'm back playing the epilogue while everyone's now on to Power World. I personally can't believe they made another code because I thought it was, one was enough, personally. I thought it's just the first time. Oh, very good, yeah. Alan. Very, very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you... I'm glad that that... That was, like, cooking up in my brain. You could have heard the gears whirring in the seat right <laughs> behind my head. I was, I was like, oh, I've got a bit... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good though. I mean, like I I've heard reasonable things about the Pokemon DLC. I've heard it's a game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a game. I mean, it's not that bad. The epilogue they dance for some reason and go Moochie. What? Yeah. What? What's Moochie? I don't know, they dance. They like dance like chickens. 
Moochie, Moochie is Pokemon's version of Puff Puff from Dragon Quest. No. Well, I guess that's, that's why I'm getting I, I, I disagree. Disagree with it, please. I have, I have not played. No. I have not played the DLC, so I'm just guessing there. But it sounds sounds about right, right? And can you played the game? You need to refute this, otherwise it becomes true. I, I I don't know what the Dragon Ball Z Puff Puff is, so I'm just gonna say yes, yes, it you is. Don't know what Puff Puff is. <laughs> Last time I watched Dragon Ball Z was like 20 years ago, Matt. Not talking about Dragon, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest. <laughs> Dragon Quest. Oh, Dragon Quest. Like, last time I played Dragon Quest was like five years ago. I don't know. What came out which I liked recently? The Builder one on the Wii U. It's a long time it's to pass for Puff Puff. <laughs> it's been a long time between Puff Puffs. It's been... Harvard, what have you been playing? <laughs> so this is a little bit on the high seas. I've been playing the original GBA Moon Heaven which is oh. a lot of fun, incredibly well-designed for a GBA game. And I'm just hankering for the Switch Rhythm Heaven to finally signal the end of this console and move to the next one. Yeah, it'll be the last game, won't it? It's always the last game. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll the be second the they announce it, like, yeah, it's over, it's done. Yeah, the console's done, exactly. Was Brianna in the, the trailer for that? No, so Beyonce was in the trailer for the DS one. Oh, shit, that's going to be really Your grim. Your brain was just... Um, oh, just the wrong singer for the wrong game yeah oh no <laughs> i would love that though if like rihanna who had just released a single song like a single hit song in 2004 was advertising for this japan only rhythm game it should have been on destiny i, I assume yeah, every the, single member of destiny i assume <laughs> the switch one will be tato like they'll uh. somehow recruit Taylor Swift to do yeah, the, get that kind of and then every, everybody will hate them for it because uh, for some reason I don't know why I, I I don't follow these things but apparently Taylor Taylor Swift's the world's worst person now or something that's best uh, or worst depending on who you ask he showed up to a football game and it's a, I can't believe I actually mentioned Taylor Swift because now everybody's going to hate this podcast oh it's good for SEO they, they, <laughs> yeah yeah they they just found it. Like, Here's why Taylor Swift should join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Back to Rhythm Heaven. It is a genuinely fun, funny game. Like, you'll laugh out loud so much that you'll have trouble actually hitting the buttons to the rhythm. So, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's best it's not best. to try actually try to do well in that game because it's impossible. Oh, it's so hard. It's very, very hard. It's got rhythm. Yeah. Got to have that jazz. I always <laughs> like how, like, the guy who came up with the game, his goal was to teach people rhythm. And really, all of it was remind everybody that they don't have any rhythm. Like he that was, was like a what is it? He's like a like a producer for a. Oh yeah, he's he's a legendary yeah. guy. Like mass, like he's just a, a legend of Japan's music industry. And yeah, he decided he was going to make this game to help people learn rhythm. And yeah, unfortunately for him, everybody just realized they don't have any rhythm. So he absolutely succeeded because I have every single one of his songs stuck in my head one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> That's fair. And Matt, yeah, what have you been playing? Well, I've been playing a lot of RPGs. For some reason, I was going to say, there's a game. I think your review of yours is coming out either today or tomorrow. Which one? There's a, a certain blue haired boy. Oh, yeah. Persona 3 done that. Was good. Good stuff. Yeah. But Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, wealth is probably the best Yakuza game of all. Like, it's, it's a close rival to zero like that's how good this one is they've just that's mental yeah it's just insane how good it actually is like i, I went in thinking oh yeah you know i played enough drag uh, yakuza i'm getting old with the series but no they've just kind of 
blown it out of the park with this one. It's an incredible game. So that's a pretty good then. way to start the year. And then I've been puttering around with the free-to-play Atelier game as well, which just came out. And for whatever reason, they decided to fan service it up like crazy. So that's been a good time. And yeah, lots of games, too much content. So just the yeah, start of the year. It was, meant, it was meant to be a break. It was meant to be a break and it's not. Oh, I assume that you're also deep in the minds of Suicide Squad. No, I am not. Oh, well, that's such a you game. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to see it's failed dismally, and nobody likes it. That no, makes me it, happy. Because uh, who was it made for? <laughs> no one wanted it. I don't know. I don't. It was know. made for me. That's for damn sure. And I fucking love Batman. It's good shit. I just I don't get it. I don't understand. But you know what I do get, Matt. What are you, you been playing, I, Alan? You know what I get? I get, what do you get? bloody bloody Katsuhiro Harada telling me to sit down and shut the fuck up and not ask him for anything ever again because goddamn he made Tekken 8. Oh, oh boy. That's, that's a game. Oh boy, it's a game. I have about 18 hours in it already, and it's only been out for a week, and I work a full-time job. <laughs> and I'm astonished how good this video game actually is. It is the most accessible Tekken. It has the best learning tools I've ever seen in a fighting game, I think. It has the probably like the best story mode in a fighting game as well. Like I've already had full on like whoa moments already. I'm only like a few hours in. There is one scene which made me physically shake with excitement. And the online works, which is wild because no other 3D fighting game has ever had an online system that actually works. It's just that, like, really Bloody good basics are just so impressive for the fighting game drone. It's like, wow, you actually want to teach people how to play your game and the online is functional and the story yeah, is, is interesting. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's wild, but it's it's genuinely fantastic. Like, uh, It's rare that you come across a fighting game that is this comprehensive in everything and it just blows everything else out of the water. Like, I, I've played a lot of fighting games over the last two years. Tekken 8 is something else. It's so much more aggressive. They've worked in the way that I play Tekken, which is I'm going to run at you and kick you until you die. <laughs> um, rather than can you button mash, though? Can I play really? a button mash? You could, yeah. You would enjoy it. They've added a new mode called Special Style, which is essentially you're a button masher. Enjoy yourself. Cool, because that's how I'm playing Final Fantasy, like the like new one, which Matt really, really, really likes. I finally started playing that like end of last year, that's and. Yeah. What? 16. Yeah, 16. It's 16. Yeah. So 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 I've got like all the rings on to like stop me from like having to like dodge and all that sort of stuff. And I can just play as a button masher. It's great. That's fair. But yeah, so Tekken's fantastic. Everyone should play it. Everyone should get into it. Oh boy. Oh boy. What a what a game. I'm glad you enjoyed that one. Yeah. You might like it, Matt. It's more dead or alive-y. Yeah, I played it. I reviewed it. I, reviewed it. I mean, it, it's it's fine. My 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 thing with you are the Tekken boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not the world's biggest Tekken fan, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it enough. It's just the the characters bother me in Tekken. I'm not a fan of any of them, to be honest. But the 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 the, the fighting game mechanics are good, and people that 
enjoy tech and should probably get a good kick out of it as you have kind of made clear so yeah i, I, I think they definitely delivered you'll love it i, I think they definitely <laughs> delivered for for what people were expecting out of a tekken so good on them and all that kind of stuff yeah it's just exciting it's exciting that other like because i think tekken's also with the most casual fighting game because everyone kind of gets the idea of left punch right punch left kick right kick and like it's it's no fireballs anymore they've got rid of all the fireballs from bloody tekken 7 it's actually approachable you can play this game and have fun and not really know what you're doing and still enjoy yourself and it, it's so sick to watch like i don't care if i lose or i win it's just cool so everyone go out and buy tekken 8 it's a great game sponsored by harada so i could say you've taken a liking to it oh absolutely i've been taking it to the streets for years
it is a new month, and astonishingly enough, things have not stopped releasing. Things will always release in this hellscape we call capitalism. So, Matt, bring up the bring up the ways that companies are going to rob me of my hard-earned dollary dues, and let's get into it. Yeah, they're doing that in February. <laughs> They've got games coming out. It's ridiculous. If you haven't already had enough games to play. Yeah, so let's go through this little list that I've got here. Apparently, Metacritic now does a coming soon that is curated. So the most notable games coming up this month with release dates and stuff. So let's see how this goes with us. So it starts off February 6th as of the recording of this podcast, which we're doing on February 3. So from then on, on February 6th, we've got Foam Stars coming out. If you like your, what's the Nintendo one, Splatoon? Yeah. Yeah. You've got a Square Enix clone of that, which. Is that not an AI game as well? No, they used AI for like a tiny little bit of one part of the, like non, like there's apparently there's, album covers or something that you can go you can you can find as you play like cd albums or something and they used ai to generate the art on those cd albums so it's it's really a light touch ai the rest of it is all human generated i think that was a little bit of a controversy for nothing not that it's good that they're using ai for anything but anyway it's not an ai generated game <laughs> is the point the okay. but yeah it, it's 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 a Splatoon clone, so if you like Splatoon, you might like this. You don't have to have a Nintendo Switch to play this one, so there you go. And it's free. You're not have people yelling at you if you've got like the PlayStation Plus subscription or whatever it is. There you get to play it for nothing. So there you go. Online party shooter coming out on February six. On there are worse things. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Heroin. Pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty hard to argue that one. <laughs> On February 6th as well, you got Wo Long Fallen Dynasty Complete Let's Edition go. coming out. Is it a sequel so, or an expansion? No, no, it's just complete edition. So if you with all the DLC and all that kind of nonsense built in, if you haven't played it yet, you should play it. You're gonna hate it until you get past the first boss, but after that it's pretty smooth sailing. Terrible first boss. With those games. First first boss is basically the hardest boss. Anyway, is yeah. It, are the skills transferable? Like, if you're really good at Neo or really good at Dark Souls, will you automatically be really good at Wulong? Or do you need to relearn the logic of each individual game to, to get good at it? No, if you if you, you if you can get through Neo or whatever, then you can get through Wulong. Wulong's just faster. Like, it's, it's closer it's to Blood. Yeah, it's closer to Bloodborne in terms of its kind of uh, speed of play. But the skills are transferable. It's not like a Tekken Street Fighter situation. No, no, no. It, the skills are transferable enough. You just need to have really, really good twitch reflexes with Wolong, which is a little bit different, I guess, to the slower-paced Elden Ring mm. and stuff. But it's only, so much only marginally. Only marginally. Like it, that game is hard. Uh, it, it's definitely difficult, but that's the point. Once you get past the first boss, it is pretty smooth after that, though. Like, for some reason, they just made that first boss brutally difficult in long, like, infamously difficult. He's like the boss that everyone will remember as the hardest thing ever. But yeah, when you get past that, it's all good. Uh, February 6th. Then we've got Helldivers 2 coming out on February 8th. I feel like that's a 
That's a top-down shooter, isn't it? No, it's a it's over the shoulder shooting now. It was a top down back in the day. Was oh, it? Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you it's go. Eldivers was this... a PS3 game. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Now it's a PS5 game. Eldivers. I was in Eldivers high... too. <laughs> <laughs> Innocent Allen back in the day in mm. Adelaide doing his thing. Wishing he wasn't in Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Eldivers on February thirteenth. So, moving forward a little bit, we've got Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden. Now, that's come out of nowhere, but that's the new Don't Nod RPG. That's an incredibly generic title. Yeah. I It's it's weird because it's probably almost certainly going to be way better than the fact that nobody's talking about it, it suggests. It, it, because it sounds like the fake video game that you include in your teen drama movie. <laughs> I was going to say, that's one that Sean William... Sean William Scott's going to play that in 2001. <laughs> it's got this really, it, it, it's looking really good. It's this dark RPG where your decisions matter. Like, I don't know if people remember, Don't Not Made a Vampire Game. Yeah, I was going to say vampire. Like vampire. Yeah, but this one looks like it's that kind of cut from the same cloth as such. Hopefully it, the gameplay is a little bit better, but the narrative of Vampire was exceptional. And if they've captured that again in Banishers, then... That will be a game that will turn some heads when people actually play it, one would hope. Everyone's too excited for Lost Records. That's the problem. I what is no Lost what Records? Is. It's basically their new Life is Strange game, but without being Life is Strange, because Square Inc. owns Life is Strange. Oh. I did not even know they were making that. There you go. Maybe I need to join Don't Nod's mailing list or something, because I miss out on all their games until they actually come out. On February 13th, we have Lis Fanga, the Time Shift Warrior, coming out. Don't know what that is at all. It's like a children, a young adults novel from the 90s. <laughs> it's like an animals. The hardest anime oh, I'll ever play. This is like a turn-based RPG thing, a, tur- a strategy. No, it's not. It's a hack and slash that you go with a tactical twist. It I don't does know. look very gritty. I will give you that. Published by Spotlight's. And developed the, by the Sandor Studio. Like, and Yarn Shop in Australia? <laughs> That's such a specific joke that alienates everyone. Oh, I'm sorry about that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's published by Quantic Dream. Yeah, looks all right. Oh, yuck. Ah! Looks pretty good. Okay, moving on. Ultros on February 13th. Ultros is like the summon from... No, it's the octopus from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. I don't know why they made a game called Ultros, but yeah, it is actually the octopus from Final Fantasy VI. But that's not the... This is not a game about that character. That would be so good. They should definitely make a game about Ultros. (laughs) Make him a squid lord. Yeah, but they're not. I don't know what this game is, but it's not that. So now it's a psychedelic metroidvania where you wake up stranded on the sarcophagus, a cosmic uterus holding an ancient demonic. Yeah, thing. not as happy. I just want Ultras the octopus game. Now <laughs> they've, they've fucked you that want up. A uterus game? That. Yeah, it's it's a metroidvania with just a, a a color palette. I guess that was that's what they mean when they say psychedelic. The color palette is. Yeah, no, the, they absolutely messed it up calling it that because now that's what I want, and I'm not going to get it. So zero out of five for that game. <laughs> I wish to be squid. <laughs> <laughs> On February 14, Solium Infernum, which sounds okay. like it's going to be a horror game. Is yeah. It going to be a horror game? 
Is it going to be a horror game? It's a turn-based strategy. It's a turn-based strategy game, but it looks dark. It does. Look That's dark. my kind of horror. <laughs> it looks dark. It, it looks grim. It Very looks grim. like one of those like old school two thousands. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Actually, it looks all right now that I'm looking at screenshots. It looks like a thing I'd play. Put it that. Hold on, it's an old game. Games of two thousand nine. No, it's coming out on February fourteen. <laughs> Metacritic doesn't lie. There's a feature article written about it from 2011. Well, maybe it's been in development hell for all this time. Early access. Initial release date 2011. No, different game, I think. Different game? Different game. Because the Steam Steam thing says it's not out till February 15th. Oh, that's so weird. So there's two unrelated games called Solium and Fernum. And yet there's a bunch of reviews there. IGN's written about it, apparently. Yeah, I think that's why we're getting confused. I think the Steam one is just a brand new game that's unrelated to the other one, maybe. Right. Maybe not. That's oh, no, praise for the original. So there was an original back in 2009, which everybody liked, apparently, according to the Steam page. Mm. And then there's a new one coming out. Anyway, it looks okay. I'm probably going to review it now. It's on my list. I've added it to my list. It's League of Geeks, which is the other guys, right? Yes. 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 On February 14, we've got Tomb Raider 123 Remastered. If you want to play Triangle Boobs, but Remastered. Then I hate that when you say go. Tomb Raider 123 Remastered, I don't know if you mean the reboot or the original. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, no, these are the original ones. Triangle Boobs, that's why you got to qualify it with that. That's the most important thing like about those games. Wrap the triangle at this point. There's, why would they retain that? Didn't they do that? Haven't they slightly smoothed over the boobs? It looks like they have. I can't believe this is what we're talking about. <laughs> well, let's face it; those games are not particularly interesting beyond that. So, I have yeah. Heard, so I've never played them before, but I have heard them that they actually kind of suck, and they, they were do. only really well known because they were a three D platform action, and one of the first ones. But the actual level design controls everything was just difficult. Yeah, and there's just not much to them. Like they're, they're not very good games, to be honest. It was only noteworthy because of the boob thing. Like even back then, it was. It was early, early era fan service, and people loved it for that. Alan's a big fan of Tomb Raider one, two, and three. I so I bought a PS one as per the last podcast, and I've been looking at buying Tomb Raider one, two, and three. But all I've seen is people saying, "Don't do it. The controls are horrific." They and aren't. Yeah, I hope they fix that in this remake. They probably haven't. We've got Plate Up coming out on February fifteen. Don't know what Plate Up is. Let's keep. Let's keep doing the Google search thing. Looks like who? Sounds like Cooking Mama, but like oh yeah, moving out. Oh, it's it's a restaurant manager. (laughs) Yeah, that's fun. I'm on board with that. Yeah, especially if it's multiplayer, they're fun. Procedurally generated permanent roguelike. That's frustrated and boring. If if it says roguelike roguelike these days, I lose interest very quickly. I think just anything with any kind of Ooh, Now, here's a game I'm very much looking forward to. I actually have a code. I haven't started to play it yet. But, yeah, I've been I'm super keen about this. February 15, Spirit Hunter, Deathmark 2 comes out. I love Deathmark. Deathmark is like my favorite visual Wait, novel horror game. Wait, make Deathmark 2? No, that was Spirit Hunter NG, which is... Okay. So, we've got Spirit, the, the Spirit Hunter Deathmark. Then Spirit Hunter NG, and now, and now there's Deathmark 2. Deathmark 2. 
Yes, because they like to confuse people. That's what they do with these games. I felt um, like I just had a stroke. <laughs> but these well, is, this is. is so, so good. I cannot... I'm so excited for this. They're just pristine good horror visual novels. Yeah, I did They're really like so it. Good. Mark. You I did? bought Spirit Hunter NG at full price and never opened it. And now there's this. Well, I mean, NG wasn't quite as good as Deathmark, I must admit. I enjoyed it a lot for what it was, but yeah, it didn't quite have the quality of the first Deathmark. I'm hoping by kind of naming it Deathmark 2, they've gone back to what made that game just so good. God damn, I love that game so much. So yeah, that's what I'll be doing this weekend once I get off this podcast. I'm going to be playing that like crazy. On February 16, the Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3 and 4 comes out on PlayStation 5. Now, of course, those games are already out on everything else, and I would imagine people that are Legend of Heroes fans have already played them. But if you are one of the few that has not, then you'll be able to download them and play them on your PS5. But 1 and 2 are still not available on PS5. PS5. That is correct, because they were PS3 games. And they're Which is just like different us, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's just outrageously stupid. Like if you're going to do Trials of Cold Steel, you need to put all four of them on the same console because you do have to play them all through in order. And jumping on jumping in on three is missing the point completely. I was going to say because that series is the series that has the flow chart or how yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, that's too much. And don't ever tell a fan you've played them in the wrong order because they will hate you forever for it. Like on on the on the rankings of toxic fan bases, <laughs> they, the Trouser Cults, the Legend of Heroes fans are are right up there. I mean, there's only like five of them in the world, so they're not quite as bad as. I was going to say, how many of them are there? And can I beat them all up? It's not quite as bad as pissing off, say, the Taylor Swift fan base, but. You know, they're noisy. Yeah, he's going to shake it off. <laughs> they're noisy. Sorry, the two Trails of Cold Steel fans that listen to this podcast. I know I've just upset you, but it is what it is. You, your fan base sucks. We're making the fun games of the are fact great. You can't play your games. <laughs> We'd um, love to. Moving on. Not on. Moving on. We've got the big Nintendo release for the month comes out on February 16. Mario versus Donkey Kong, which is the fun. puzzle puzzle game. It looks fun. Looks like no, a that's delightful great. thing to play. I like them. They're good. They're quaint. They're Did you play quaint. the old ones? They're twee. Yes, I play them all. If I like the 3DS one. I like the one that they put on the D. Was it the DS? Yes, I wear. Yeah, yeah, DS I wear, which was that little mini game version that they. Yeah, it was good. Original was still the best. It's basically Nintendo's Lemmings. They need to make more. Yeah, it's Nintendo's Choo Choo Rocket. It is. Oh, Choo Choo Rocket is so good. Why are they not making that more? <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't announce that in the, the, the Sega. What Sega are you talking about? They, they do. There is a Choo Choo Rocket on Apple Arcade. I'm not touching that on my <laughs> Well, if you want to play Choo Choo Rocket, there it is. That's where you can play it. It's there. They did it. They gave you what you want, Alan. It's like how there's a mobile Lemmings game. Do you really expect me to play that? Yes, I do. I have. It's crap. Oh, it's okay, but it's crap. <laughs> if if you're not into your twee Nintendo games, then apparently, finally, I would not be surprised if this doesn't get delayed again for at least another three or four years, but apparently Skull and Bones is coming out on February 16th. I don't believe it. No. Finally. <laughs> no. No, it's yeah. not. You're full of shit. I remember this was announced like 17 years ago. I it's- was in high school. <laughs> 
It's the pirate ship one. It was announced. Wasn't it announced about the same time they did the Assassin's Creed with the pirate ships? After Black Flag, it was. Yeah, and 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 everybody was like sick. Yeah, everybody was like, "Yes, I get to play a whole game based around this. I'm looking forward to this." And then it just never eventuated. So, yeah, it's coming out, Alan. It's going to be very Ubisoft. It's not coming out. It's going to be very Ubisoft anyway. It is a Ubisoft original, to be fair. Yes, it's going to be very Ubisoft. Ubisoft Singapore. Yes, it is. Unfortunately, not because it's not 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 because it's Uh coming out of that that studio, but because it's. <laughs> but because it's it, because it's a Ubisoft game, yeah, I do feel really bad for the Rayman Legends team with the Prince of Persia game that came out because apparently it didn't sell very well, which is a shame. It sold three hundred thousand copies. Yeah, it's not enough for bloody Ubisoft though because they suck. No, I know they all got they're all getting fired, but it would be it's enough by most stretch them out. If I sold three hundred thousand copies of a game, I'd be pretty happy about that. It's like how the Mario versus Rabbids Fight Two like game, like I only sold like a million or something, like initially, and like and Ubisoft's like it underperformed, and it's like what? It's I'm a sequel. very surprised that Ubisoft has control over that property. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate they bought that. Man, hey, because they're also doing think- the remake. <laughs> they're also doing the remake of Sands of Time. And that is one of the greatest games of all time. And they're just going to screw it up because it's in development hell anyway. It was being done by Ubisoft India and now it's done, moved over to one of their Canadian teams or something because they couldn't get it finished. And I don't know why. It's just a HD remaster. But I mean, they cancelled all assume, their other games. So they got to get the main studios to do something. I assume that they're just putting a lot of Ubisoft into Sands of Time. I, I really don't like Ubisoft. Screw them. Fuck them. Useless too company well at least they're making Plus games they're... i like like thq or whatever they want to call themselves these days like getting rid of like all the like like good brands they had yeah it's a shame moving on Quop 2 comes out on february 20 Quop. Quop. now the vlog no, i can't can't say q without a u q o m p 2 so this breach of the english language Comes out Quomp. on February 20. Comp. Comp. No, uh, how do you say Q without a U? It's not what I thought it was. It, it's. Uh, we need a linguist. How do you say a Q without a U Quomp. sound afterwards? Comp. It depends on what language you're saying. Wait, how do you spell it? Q, Q-O-M-P. Comp. Oh, that's a very different game. It's a little ball bouncing around. You know what? You sold me. <laughs> on Clomp. Anyway, Sorry. the Thaumaturge comes out on February 20 as well. That's the the weird game where you're playing as like, like a magic dude in a town and everyone doesn't trust you, right? It's, it's an RPG, yes. It's an RPG, yes. It looks... <laughs> it looks cool. It looks good. It honestly looks a bit like a Spiders game. It does. It does. It, 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 it sounds like a spider's game. It, it, it does. It very much sounds like and looks like a spider's game. But it's not, I don't think. It's not, yeah. But it's it looks good. Who they are. It looks good. It has isometric perspectives. So That's back in Fleek. Back in Fleek. Baldur's Gate's brought back. Yeah, literally, I, I think it has. People are much more excited about top-down stuff than they used to be. It is, it is an isometric storage Fleek. RPG. An isometric, story-driven RPG with morally ambiguous choices. It's Disco Elysium by developer 
fool's theory. Who's fool's theory? What else have they done? Nothing. The seven. seven. I don't know what that game is. Not, unfortunately, the movie. I was going to say, <laughs> seven out of the video games? <laughs> Do we get to I like, have the boss no. inventory item? I, I would so play that. I would play the hell out of that. That would be great. Like a PS3 era seven game. That's just heavy rain. Play. Oh, <laughs> heavy, heavy rain back good. Bandletail comes out on February 21. That's a League of Legends story. So They make me a lot of those. Well, they're not yeah. anymore. Are they not? No, they put out an announcement saying we're firing half our staff and we're not oh. any more any more of these interesting games. We're just going to focus on our core properties and you know yada yada yada. Yeah, so, I think they had a problem so, with that to begin with. Is that they they keep making games that are not League of Legends, but they expect people to be playing those and League of Legends at the same time. I mean, it was an interesting idea to create all these little games to help build out the League of Legends universe and stuff. I approved of that idea. It's just, unfortunately, they're not a very good company because they're American and they fire people. The minute and they also have horrific weird. sexism in their in their ranks as well. So, well, American, uh, American company. <laughs> yeah. What do you expect? Yippee! <laughs> On February twenty one, Slave Zero X comes out. Hack and slash game. What's Slave Zero X? Ooh, that's an interesting art by. Poppy Works, fighting game, mature fighting game. This oh god, is like... it is it full of titties? Is that what no, it's no, it's not. It looks like the obscure arcade a game that you would never see before. You know, it's a brawler, Alan. Set it's in the like... biopunk world of Slave Zero in brackets, nineteen ninety nine. Which well, will that's they put in May Cry, Strider, and Guilty Gear. It looks, it looks all right. I think you'd like it, actually, Alan. I think it's your kind of jazz. Okay. Yeah. On February 22, we've got Nightingale coming out. A survival crafting game. Uh, it's leaving early access, so you can play it now. Yeah. And you type it into Google, you get the bird. <laughs> I do like the bird. The bird is a very good bird. Oh. It's a great bird. This looks It's also a great character in Tintin. This is like... A I've, theme punky sort of yeah survival game. Yeah, it's a survival game, like Ark or yeah, it's like Valheim but in the steampunk world. Yeah, clockwork world. Yeah, steam steampunk, pretty cool. This is good. Yeah, it looks alright. I might give it a go. Hmm. On February twenty two, we got Pacific Drive, which sounds like. And this, I'm pretty sure that's one of many Australian coastal bands. Uh, yes. I was going to say, it does have the vibe of like a surf rock band. And it is a game where you drive. There you go. It's going to be Brilliant. one of those like narrative driven reflections, reflections on reflections on life as you drive through the countryside kind of thing. It's a survival game. I need an age rating to see it. Yeah. Maybe it's not so bad. Suddenly zombies come out of nowhere and die. We haven't had a good zombie game for a while, right, actually. It was the like scientific experiments gone wrong kind of vibe. Speaking of horror, Sons of the Forest comes out on February 22. That was a another, cool original game. Another early access game that's coming out of early access. And it looks like another one of those survival games. So there you go. Zombies coming out. So is it? No, it's cannibals, isn't it? Yeah, it's like weird cannibal descent monsters. Yeah, so, yeah, there we go. That's leaving early access. 
On February 27, another game sleeping early access, Wrath Aeon of Ruin. Aeon of Ruin. That's a old schooly shootery thing. Very old school. It looks like Quake. It's Quake. It's a Quake clone. Yeah. It's built on a version of the Quake engine. There you go. Oh, hell yeah. That's why it looks like Quake, because it is basically Quake. I've never played Quake 1. Quake! You should play Quake. Even I like Ooh. Quake. I played Quake 3. It's Does that count? No, you need to play one. It's official. You need to. It's like a law. Okay, I'll go do that. It's on Switch. I'll probably just get it on Switch. Yeah, it's on Switch. It's, it's on, on everything these days. Hard to aim. Hmm. On yeah. February 28th, we have Star Wars Dark Forces Remaster. Like the first person shooter? Yes. Uh, it's been remastered. Cool. I'm here for that. So, pretty good. There you go. If you like some Star Wars, there you go. Oh, it was an FES game from 1995. Oh, I didn't realize this was so soon. Of course it's so soon. I'm just going to keep creating games and forcing me to play stuff. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth comes out on oh, February shit. 29. I played, a, I played a little bit of that at Tokyo Game Show. It's very much like Final Fantasy VII, which is a remake, which is very good. And now it's good. I played a little bit, which was a little bit more opening world style bit than what you had in the original Final Fantasy VII Remake or the first chapter of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So there you go. Cool. Is this I didn't know that was this one. That's oh, mental. shit. That was, that was a big spoiler, wasn't it? Mm. Do you reckon they're going to do that? They're going to, like, you can't say that Aerith dies. Well, they, they can't not have someone die because they've been pushing the whole idea that Zack is an important character. Like, they wouldn't have released bloody, what's it's called, into Crisis Core. They would not have oh, released Crisis yeah, again sure. without that being linked in some way because they want people to know about that story. That's you a nine game, but I agree with you. Yeah. It, I mean, also, everyone should just play Crisis Core because it's one of the better Final Fantasies, I think. Final Fantasy VII Reboot will feature Bodacious Beach Board. There's beach scenes in this one. I oh, really sweet. hate that they oh, used alliteration there. Ah, oh, sweet. That's like I, I think this is a teacher moment for me, but the most eaten like literary technique is alliteration because it never makes me happy. Like I, if you're using alliteration and you're not in year two, I want you not to be using alliteration. Does Vincent does Vincent show up in this game? Yes, he does. Is this chapter he shows up in this chapter, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He's in a bloody crypt and he's all gubby. Oh, uh, he's great. He's a, so he's if my, I want to play this my one, boy. I have to play Remake first. No. No. It'll recap it. They've made this clear in the thing that, like, you can just jump in. But you it do. Would make sense. Why are they making a trilogy from one game? Why can't because they just the original make... game is massive. <laughs> Why can't they just make one game? Because the original game is, like, 7,000 hours long. It's a, it's a big game. It's 3D. It's also, so it's also comparing need... a... PS1, like, turn-based RPG to a big-budget fucking yeah. uh, nerd game for big nerds like us. But now I'm confused. The remake came out, so why is there this game? Like, I feel like I'd be missing stuff by not playing remake, it's, and then... <laughs> yeah, you should play remake. Yeah. It makes them pretty good. The Hobbit movies, you know? Okay, so but like, in, with more in, justification <laughs> in, in the world in, in the world of books and things, Trent, we have this thing called a trilogy, right? And in a trilogy, you read one book, and then you read the next book, and then you read the third book, and the second it, book and third book build on the first book. So that's how there it were works. three discs on FF Seven. 
Have they, have they formally announced it's only going to yeah, be it's three? Yeah, it's a trilogy. Yeah. Yes, it's a trilogy. It's three. Okay. Yeah. So one one for each disc. Do you reckon you'll be able to miss Vincent? Because the first time I played Final Fantasy VII many, many years ago, and this is probably why I didn't like Final Fantasy VII originally, was that I missed Vincent. Vincent was an optional character. Yeah. And if you missed him, you, better miss you him. didn't get him. Well, and he's it would be more point. clearly telegraphed how to get him because it was pretty hard to find him without... It was. Him. It was totally hard. Like, yeah, it, it was like a bit of a playground river character when you were... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You definitely had to... Like, Did you know that Sonic's your Smash Bros. Melee? He's in Smash Bros. Melee if you hold the button at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday evening <laughs> and, then, and then you summon Sadako. No, my favorite you, one, yeah. my favorite one was the N64. For some reason, they got like they were, one of the magazines in Australia, what was it, N64 Gamer or something, convinced like the entire country in Australia that there was nude codes for Goldeneye, which was. No, I remember this because my friend told me about it. <laughs> There was nude codes for Goldeneye, which is <laughs> Wait, what? Which is just like, why would you want nude codes in Goldeneye in the first just place? Pink rectangles. It would literally just be a blurred pink square. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. But Matt, what are you looking forward to this month then? Because I'm uh, hang on. Was there any other games? There's more. <laughs> No, Get there's out. no more game. No, no, that's it. That's the end of it. That's the end of this list anyway. There's probably Someone games. definitely made that mod in, in 20, 2024. <laughs> there's no way that doesn't exist. Yeah, there's going to be. the year of our Lord, 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Every year we straight up this <laughs> My game of the month, I, I I mean, Final Fantasy VII remake, obviously, but also Deathmark for me. Definitely Deathmark. I just love the original Deathmark so much. So Deathmark 2. I really can't wait to finish up this podcast so I can go and start playing it, to be honest. Wow. I'm so keen. All right. Well, I'm going to be go... so disappointed if it doesn't give me exactly what I want and I'm going to go like slam it. But they better not fuck this up. Like, this is this is it. This is my 2024. In... <laughs> um, my, whole, my whole year is, is hinged on whether this game is good or not. Our listeners are privy to a moment of Matt either turning and becoming the Joker or turning and becoming the cool Joker from the Death Stranding trip. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next podcast to find out. <laughs> Is he going to play the BB theme? No way, no type <laughs> What was that, Al? I like that they're releasing a spooky game nowhere near October. It's just like randomly in February. It's going to sell like five copies, doesn't matter when they release it. So I figure that's probably what they're figuring. That's fair. Just, just get out there. Oh, what are you going to get this month? What's your vibe? I don't think I want to get it because I don't think I have a platform that will run it properly. But the Nightingale has stood out for me as one that does look quite cool. Like the graphic style is interesting. The the world to me is like enough different to Rust and Valheim and stuff that makes me want to try it again. And I can see it becoming successful. So I'm into it. Sweet. And Trent, is there anything that piques your interest? Well, I've already got the Mario and the Donkey Kong thing pre-ordered, so I'm yeah. just going to play that. I'll probably also be continuing playing Final Fantasy 16 till I end up finishing it, so I'm pretty far in it, I assume, at the moment, so I'm almost done, really hopefully. Yeah. How many hours are you in, Trent? Uh, I have no idea based off hours. Maybe like, actually, what was the last boss you beat? Last boss was I was teamed up with the Phoenix and I could become the Phoenix as well. Oh. 
Yeah, that doesn't really help. What what boss boss? Like what, what were you fighting? I've got all I've got up I've got upwards to I just got the dragon element thing. So I've got I did the rock one, then I did the dragon ice, whatever element it's meant to be. So I've got all them. Oh you beat Bahamut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got ages ago, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah, just think the, the worst thing with RPGs where after they've talked about all the progress they've made, like, oh yeah, the game's just about to open up, just keep going. No, you it's know, like the FF13 <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It's at the stage where it feels like it's wrapping up, <laughs> yeah, but really it's an opening up. <laughs> oh, I hate RPGs so much for that. Yeah, it's dog shit. Persona 5 is the worst for that, too. And up 50 hours in, oh yeah, you just started to open up. Yeah, now you can go to your daily tasks. <laughs> Luckily, Final, I mean, Final Fantasy 16 wasn't so long. Like, it wasn't a 200-hour long game. It's not like 30 hours long, yeah. Yeah, you can you can finish it fairly briefly. I think I spent 50 in my original playthrough, taking my time doing my things. But, yeah, yeah that's that's not so bad for an RPG these days. No. And I'm going to just be boring as shit and say Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth because I'm excited to see what they do. I want to know what stupid nonsense they've got. You're just looking because... forward to getting red into a swimsuit. That's that's the thing, isn't it? What? That's no. Oh, <laughs> no. that's that's your, I... that's what you're looking forward to. You're looking forward to the beach scenes and red because you got to think about red. He's just a pup. <laughs> I like him. He's cool. No, that game looks really cool, and I I was so not interested in Seven Remake in general, but having played it. The game's really good. This is not the main thing to look forward to, but I am looking forward to the remix Cosmo Canyon theme. What a banger. It's a banger. It's a hardcore banger. Yeah. No, I'm not looking forward to it at all because actually they um they already killed off my favorite character, so fuck them. She comes back in this three. <laughs> <laughs> she comes back no, in this three really wearing dies. Joker makeup and using an electric guitar. I would <laughs> be so hot for that. That would be great. But I don't think Jesse's coming back.
So with the recent release of Tekken 8, I think one of the best features in that game is purely the accessibility of it. The game has been designed so that you can actually learn every single thing in the game, even if you don't have an old man sitting next to you saying, you're going to whiff punish that. It is, it is really, really approachable. And it made me think about how much better we've gotten as like an industry with just making things more accessible and easy to access, but without dumbing it down. And like just making it so that other people can enjoy the game when they necessarily couldn't before. And it's it's really cool because you know there there are people out there who like want to play these things but just simply don't have the means to do it. And I think the best way to do that is just to provide options that don't impact anyone else. And it comes back to the whole thing of like, you know, is it cheating to put accessibility options into a game? At which point no, it's not. Who cares? If it's a single-player game, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, just go outside and touch grass if you're having much of an issue with someone else playing a single-player game differently. But I think Tekken 8 does it really well for multiplayer, and I wanted to talk about that with all of you as well. So yeah, there's a mode in the game. There's a, mo- there's a mode in the game called Special Style Harbor. And basically what it does is it changes your air combos to be triangles, so you hit triangles several times, you do an air combo. Your grabs become X, and then your like evasive moves become square, and something I think it's like or something else becomes circle. But each face button is mapped to something that is like easy to do. Like you do it, and you will do damage. The trade-off with that is that you pretty much don't have control over the combos you're doing, but you're still able to do them. So if you know how to play the game, but don't have fine motor skills to like pull off various moves it's not an impact on you it's limiting to a certain degree but it still gives you the chance to succeed if you know the game well enough and if you have the you know ability to recognize oh i'm gonna do this now because i know that they are doing this mm-hmm. and it's just really really neat it's very cool yeah that is cool. and there's a lot of there's a lot of like little things that i'm noticing in other games as well like the remember when back in the day you'd get a game and it would have colorblind settings and it would be colorblind on or off and like now it's there's like 18 different versions of colorblind it's so good because it means that i can i can like actually clearly see stuff better and i was wondering if you guys had thought of any games that have like really good accessibility options because i know that trent you were talking about ff16 and how it's got the the ring system yeah and i've got the rings turned on so i don't actually have to do the dodge because the dodge half the time i accidentally press a different button and it's like no we're gonna count that as pressing it so you didn't do it properly even though the prompt and cinematic thing's still loading so i turned on like the one of the rings which basically was like you don't have to dodge it auto dodges and the game just is so much more smoother and i can sort of play as a button mashing and i'm also playing on like the easy story based mode as well which is so much better for like time-based things because then i'm not doing the same battle over and over and over and over again like i'm actually making progress in the game and when time's limited it's good to have those options yeah, I have somewhat internal conflict about that because all the new Final Fantasy re- re-releases, like 8 and 9, have that feature. And me, being an awful person to myself, is like, you're not going to do that. You're going to have a real experience. I'm just sitting there killing the same enemy for four hours. So I feel like I could really appreciate that. I like that they have it in there. And I wish that it was not enough of a foolish person to actually use them. 
Well, Matt told me that basically the whole game is basically boss battles, and that's why everyone hates it. So I'm like, well, if the whole game is basically boss battles, then that one yeah, sounds great. sick but like at some point if i'm playing the hard difficulty or the normal difficulty it's just going to get ridiculously annoying because suddenly like like all rpgs like it's like playable and then there's like this huge like gap where it's like expected you to be grinding or doing side quests or something to level up your characters and then suddenly it's like way harder to do anything. So that's why I'm playing on the easy, easy mode, because by the time it gets to that, it just feels like regular di difficulty. So it's yeah. like, yes, awesome. I will say, though, this is not on accessibility, but people who beeline to the next story event in an RPG scare me. <laughs> there is a level of like, do you, do you not understand that you, you got to go adventure <laughs> yeah exactly like the, the plot says you have to go right to this point right this moment but you can also go play some mini games if you want like how would you why would you not play the mini games it depends on the quality of mini games to be fair because i think about oh, some of the mini games in ff10 and i want to pull out all of my hair and my teeth <laughs> I, I, I agree with you but i did also stop ff10 because i was turned to lightning dodges what something about my brain man i did that on stream not that long ago and it it was like an hour and a half of my life that I will never get back. Sounds like riveting <laughs> content for all of your viewers. Oh, you know what? It was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. I love it. Have you got crap isn't in games anymore? Like, they, they just don't yes. use that anymore because like no one actually liked this. So we're just going to stop. Mm. It's one of those things where I think, again, people need to focus on what makes something fun. Yeah, the games. they're finally but, thinking about what makes it fun for the player instead of being like, oh yeah, it's fun for the developers to do this. Yeah, it's not just like, I'm going to troll the shit out of you by <laughs> doing something insane. <laughs> Matt, have you, have you got any games that you can think of where you've actually like used an accessibility feature? I use them with Sony games half the time when I'm playing them, just because that lets me speed up, not waste time. <laughs> with those games and lets me move through them and get my review done before yeah before i play something that i actually want to play so yeah i i think that yeah sony's kind of the the best of them at it you look at the accessibility features that sony games have and they're just obscene like there's a thousand menu options to work through if if you want in fact they probably need to look at the accessibility of the accessibility features menu because it can be a little bit confusing going in there and seeing all the stuff that you can tweak around but yeah i think i think they're probably still the the shining light in the last of us 2 remake or remaster or whatever the hell they called it it was very impressive it was a really good example of that i think every developer should play sony games and take notes about how they've handled accessibility because yeah, once you play those games and you look at what the other developers are doing, it's not quite the same. I think that should be like a profile system. Like the main console has like a a lot of settings which you can just like turn on, which may or may not be a thing. But then games can pick that up and say, okay, do you want to load this profile? And then it optimizes that game based off your settings. That way you're not going every single game through like all the options. It just picks up that most of the time you want to play, say, you know, with certain features turned on, if they're available, like that would be so much more usable than, you know, oh, you know, here's 20 million like things before you can get to the character creation screen. 
Isn't Xbox kind of like that with its controller? Like you can make a controller mapping profile for different games? I think uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I see what you mean like that, but with larger things. Like if you use the Cobbler and Cobbler in one game, then just automatically does it for all the games you play or something like that. Otherwise, you have to dance when you start a game, just going to the menu and flicking every option that you want. Yeah, or like arachnophobia stuff is like becoming more and more common. So there's like features for turning them into blobs. So a feature where it's like in the system settings where you can just turn that on and say, okay, when it loads this game, if it recognizes that it's got this feature, like accessibility option, automatically turn that on. That would make so much more sense. Yeah, yeah. There was a big controversy a long time ago with StarCraft 2 competitive where they had a creature that would trigger some people's trypophobia because it was quite a disgusting design. And some players would deliberately use it for the psychological damage it would cause because people would see it and get scared. What the hell? Yeah, it was, it was really gross. It was a really gross design. But it's so funny that it's just not necessary, right? Like, it's not something that needs to be a part of a strategy game. It just happens to gross out a lot of people. I don't know. Uh, if if the the goal of the that unit is to to gross people out or whatever, then it was it has a it has a role. I mean, you you could uh, I mean, without trying to reduce the argument too much, when I mean, you if you were to say I, I horror scares me, so you need to remove the horror from Resident Evil or something, you know, that would be an accessibility feature. But at the same time. You, the, the, there's an argument to say at some point that you just don't play the game. I think it's different when it's like an intentional, like required thing for the game. Like you can't really take the horror out of, out of Resident Well, I mean, StarCraft is a pretty dark science fiction property. Yeah, it's not, it's not Diablo though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're not going to see the competitive side of things horror. too. They're not yeah, into it's it a just sport, the, the narrative side of things. If chess had a fucked spider demon that was going <laughs> to suck my face off, I would be pretty upset with that personally. <laughs> That's not required. The bishop doesn't need to uh, commit a hate crime on on people to be proven that he's a bishop. It's still just a bishop. I feel I feel like that's like the main thing at the end of the day. It's like it's fine. Who cares? That's so funny. And chess did have like a like a demon that some players just not use out of respect, and others were like, "Screw it, I'm just using the demon." Yeah, I'm going to use this demon. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill everyone you know. <laughs> my chest demon. I do love this new trend though of arachnophobia filters in games where they just write spider. That's incredibly funny. I really like that. Then they write spider and they become an orb with eyes and that's it. And uh, frankly, I think that's the greatest single thing of all time. I, I do love that. I, I don't know if you've all jumped into the, the trend of lethal company yet or not. Mm-hmm. That is the, the game where you play with three other people and you are a repossession uh, agency for a company going into different planets but there are horrible monsters in the buildings and one of them is a horrifying spider which is about the same size as most spiders i saw growing up but the the update for that added in a thing that literally just changed it to this is a spider in yeah, I like think the- comic sans <laughs> i think that's great the line to me is like if you're making a narr- like a narrative artistic ex- experience that requires the use of that spider, then by all means, like warn audiences that that's in there and then do it. It's but true warning. If it's, if it's just like a, a fun game that people are meant to enjoy and some people are going to have a negative reaction to something 
and it doesn't need to be a core part of the game, then absolutely, yeah, I would love them to be able to accessibility that out and just put it in the menu so not everyone has to do it. But it's nice to have that forethought. I want to go back to the days of the early PS2 era where it said this game contains scenes of graphic violence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Haunting Ground and that. Devil May Cry 1. Do not it, would, that. it would have the screen before the game being like, this is a violent game. Watch out. That is very quaint. Like, I do enjoy that. It's so it's so lovely. It's the idea that you buy a game called Devil May Cry and you're surprised that it's full of blood and demons and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. It's right before the stupid PS2 edgy violence era. Yeah. It's just, it's very nice. Yeah. I do think that there, there is something to be said, though. I, I'm, I mean, I'm eternally worried for the Silent Hill 2 remake at this point. I am the most afraid man of all time. Because I'm I'm very concerned that they're going to try and go very, very hard, but in the sense of it completely remove the the subtlety and the, the interest behind that story. Mm. And because Silent Hill 2 does have a warning. Like it does tell you that there's some like messed up stuff in this game. Mm. It doesn't show you a lot of it. And that's why I think it's better that it, it like it doesn't do that. Because there's no yeah. point. Why why do it? And we all know that Bloober team have the the uh, subtlety of a boulder being crushed by an even bigger boulder. <laughs> so I can't wait for the scene where Angela talks about how much she loves to cut herself. I can't wait for that scene. That's going to be really normal and fine. Mm. And you can always just play the sh- a short message. That'll give you an idea of what, no, what's going to happen with, no. with Silent Hill 2. <sighs> is, it, is it bad? I don't know. Like, I, I've seen the full mood of responses to it like this there are people that loved it and there are people that absolutely hate it so i think that yeah you just download it play it and see for yourself what i'm but saying is it's free, just gonna try it. It, it it's gonna tell you it's totally free it's only a two-hour yeah. thing or something as well and it'll tell you exactly what to expect from the remake if you don't like the short message then you can probably say goodbye to the remake i would think it's a shame it's especially me. a shame given how exceptional the Resident Evil remakes have been. Yeah, I think it's primarily yes and no. I mean, you the can't thing is... remake Silent Hill in the same way that Resident Evil was remade. Oh, yeah, it doesn't make true. sense. Yeah, I mean, Resident Evil was never a narrative experience, really. Yes, it has a story in it. There was schlock. It, it's good fun, but it was always B grade, and it was intentionally B grade. You know, that was the point of it. It was it was designed to be a B grade zombie movie, whereas Silent Hill is more a genuine effort to tell a story that has impact and you need the right developer for that and, and uh, I, is simply I, not that. I, I like <laughs> I, I like layers of fear more than alan does but i don't think believer team's the right team for psychological horror like silent hill is but you know who knows we'll see we'll see i mean at the end of the day i just hope that more people have to play more games that they want to play and I think that having a warning about some sort of content that might be in the game, especially if it's like meant to be like intentionally disturbing, yeah, chuck it in a warning. Yeah, if I'm all a mechanic for, that's I'm too difficult. For, I'm all to for like, content warnings. I think that they're particularly useful. I think there yeah. should be. I think there should be like there should be some kind of list where it actually lists out every possible content warning. I, I see that happen a little bit with um, itch games developers working on yeah. those kind of little games on each they actually set up a website where they they if they 
and some of them do go pretty hardcore, they'll actually list out every single potential trigger or, you know, concern that somebody might have. And you go there, you check it. And if there's something on there that you isn't for you, then you can kind of move on from yeah, it, you can, which you I can think move is, on from it. I, I think is, I think is really, really good idea. Yeah. And I hope it makes it people actually come around to the fact that a story that people think is good because it surprises you with shocking content is, is not a good story. No, there's always ways to tell. Yeah, exactly. There's always good ways to tell that story without the shock factor of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like comparing Saw One to Saw Five. <laughs> that's that's the way that I think about it. Where it's like Saw One is a very slow thriller, and then Saw Five is like a, a horrible demon nightmare shit that I hate. You know so I mean? like, like the paranormal activities, like how many paranormal activities are there? Like five or six, four. I don't, like it, not it, the first one was like right. pretty slow. Yeah. And then it just became like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's comparing something which I think is genuinely scary, like Midsummer, to a, a movie that is designed to scare you by shocking you. I don't want shock. I want to be incredibly uncomfortable. And that's how I'm going to enjoy that game or that movie or whatever. Like it's it's all about that, in my opinion. And I think that adding in those little accessibility things, like making it so that people are aware of what's going to roughly happen so that if they have experienced that before and they know it's a trigger, fair enough. You don't need to play this game. That's fine. You can even just like watch a YouTube video and then like, skip the story. It's up to you. Who cares? And on a mechanic sense, I think making it so that people who have dexterity problems, because like, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm like 60, I'm going to, my hands are going to be screwed. I want to still play video games. When <laughs> you're 60, huh? Yeah, like, because I'm a flute player. Like, I did a degree in flute, so my hands are already kind of ruined. And then also, I'm a big nerd for PC gaming, so my hands are contorted every single day. <laughs> so I'm fully aware that my time is ticking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really hoping they make shit, like, shit more accessible for me when I'm old and decrepit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, who cares? Who, who actually cares? Make stuff that everyone can enjoy. Everyone likes things that are good.
it is Lunar New Year this month, which is very exciting, and it is the Year of the Dragon, of course, which, you know, got got us all thinking a little bit. You know, what what should we play during the Lunar Year, and particularly the Year of the Dragon? Now, I got very excited at this topic idea, because when Harvard proposed this idea, I immediately went to think about how much I hate Overwatch. <laughs> As you <laughs> a, do a game with all ideas. As I do with all ideas, and I feel like as I am wants to do with most ideas in general, that, that game does end a Chinese Lunar New Year event every single year, and every year it is a skin of the only Chinese character in a different costume, <laughs> and it's you know, <laughs> oh, it's but I didn't realize that's what they did. Okay, right, there's and a Chinese sometimes, character in Overwatch. Yeah, yeah it's May. The oh, Ice Lady. of course, yes. Yes. Yeah. Forgot about um, that. Yeah. So uh, they also sometimes add those Chinese lanterns to some of the maps. <laughs> <laughs> they try. Like, and you know what I mean? Like, they, they put some of it in. I still hate them. <laughs> you, have to, you have to give them credit, though, for not doing something with Diva because Koreans don't really do Chinese. So uh, at like, least they got at least they got that culturally culturally correct. I was, I was, which is better than, that, like which is better game. than what most game developers would do. Most game developers, yeah, just do like a like really. Asian font and everything. Yep, yep. yeah. Everything and every, is, every, uh, every Asian co- uh, looking character must therefore celebrate Lunar New Year. Yeah, I mean, it's a very commercial thing. I feel like because a lot of those multiplayer games do have large followings in East Asia, so they just want to appeal to the demographic while trying their best. I guess. I assume Fortnite does one as well. I don't yeah. think so. I feel like Fortnite would celebrate every holiday, but I can't believe this is. It what doesn't celebrate Eid. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I've checked. It doesn't I, celebrate any of the Sikh days either. It's bullshit. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna get like Google results about. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. There's the, definitely Lunar New Year stuff that they've done for Fortnite. Good for them. Yeah, it's just skins. Yeah, it's always just skins. Yeah, it's always just skins. I, I do wish that. The Chinese New Year was actually like celebrated more regularly because some of my fondest memories as a child is going and having a shit ton of moon pie and shit like that. That's a different festival, but yes, is it? Oh my god, is it? It's a different festival. Mooncakes different festival. Alan, you're so mooncakes are a different festival. <laughs> yes, there's different. Oh my god, festivals. The start of New Year usually you have dumplings, and then 14 days into it, you have this uh, the Jiangnan's rice balls. But there's more. Festivals. I. I cannot, I cannot, in all honesty, think. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's what you can learn today. I, so moon, moon we, we came back to school and we festival. did it. I was six. We did that. We had moon pie. I was oh, like, hey, we're celebrating it. It's all right. It's okay. Fair, the I, the, the only Chinese event near us is like the gold, like, Chinese like event thing like up in like a gold panning town. So they've got like the dragon show where they go around with the dragon. dragon yeah. 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 And it's very cool how just regional towns in Australia sometimes just have Chinese communities that do that. And it's just been integrated really in the culture after a while. Like it's interesting. Yeah, we have the Man. we we have the dragon parade here in Wollongong too. They they come and chew on the head of all the shop owners. It's not necessarily Chinese food, but like Matt, I've heard that dimmies in Wollongong are really, really good. 
Can you confirm or deny this, please? What the hell's a dimmies? A dim sim. Oh, dim sim. Dim sims yeah, are dim sims everywhere in the, in the world. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. Where, are you talking about a particular restaurant or? No, it's like apparently no. like dim sims in Wollongong apparently just seen as really really good. It's like I, I follow the, the chippy and they have the spring roll and the dim sim that you don't yeah. have who orders them. I've never seen. Oh, it's me. I order them. <laughs> I order them. That's me. I've always wondered that. Like they have a chica roll and they have they have a frozen a frozen um spring roll and I've never seen anyone. This is going to sound insane, but the the go to thing that I used used to do when I was very drunk in university was I would go order like a kebab and then order some dimmies and then put the dimmies into the kebab. <laughs> it was just how it was. That's like a that's like a uniquely Australian food. Two foods that are not Australian. <laughs> You, you know what's really, really good? This is sort of cultural appropriation as a food. Yeah. <laughs> because we were talking about like Tico Rolls. There's there's this BP in Jerry's Plains, which is just out of Musselbrook. And their scallops batter tastes like a Chico Roll batter. Like it's like very seasoned and it's like the best scallops you will ever get from this BP. It's like amazing. Well, transitioning on the topic of food, actually, I feel like, because um, Lunar New Year, me at least, is generally a big family holiday. We get together, there's a lot of eating involved. I do quite like a co-op game, so that's something that I wish would happen more, like maybe like an Overcooked thing, or maybe like whatever that cooking game that we talked about earlier today, I don't know what it was called. Later? Whatever that was, yeah. Just like that, but with recipes that are more international would be interesting. I was thinking about this. Like, I think there's so much value in the idea of Cooking Mama as a series that just has DLC where you yeah. can just buy like a recipe pack for a different culture. Yeah, that would be really cool. Do they still? I also no, because it became like a, a weird, a weird like legal thing. Yeah, like, they don't know who owns. That was the great. <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they? One of the Cooking Mama games wasn't it like a on the Switch? Yeah, yeah, but it was also like a half a stone situation. No, no, it was it, it was a crypto mining thing. Yeah, it was a crypto miner on your Switch was making you mine crypto. <laughs> yeah, it was like causing your Switch to overheat and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah because that. It, oh, that's it, so funny. Yeah. That was that was pretty funny. Was that the I version like I bought? I bought one of the versions like on the Switch, and I haven't opened it or anything like that, just because it was like recalled. It was like that whole Harvest Moon like situation with like the uh, Cooking Mama thing. It was like an incredibly bad game apparently and I'm just like I'm going to buy this just so I have it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a Harvest Moon thing. They haven't used Harvest Moon to mine crypto anymore. But there were, apparently, yeah, one of the Cooking Mama games was infected with malware or something which, yeah, turned, your, turned yeah. your device into a, a mining resource. Anyway, yeah, it'd be cool if they, because when we started talking about this, I, I was thinking through other than those massively popular online games that benefit from having festivals from various cultures, there there aren't that many other games that really do much with the New Year, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, there's like uh, a there's like a Christmas or oh, a couple of Christmas games, a couple of a lot of Halloween games. And then nothing really else, right? Well, I mean, yeah, Halloween's kind of the only, the, the one that stands out, I guess, because horror, even when it's not Halloween, is still something people want to play. It's a good like Whereas connection with Christmas. Yeah. With Christmas, you only get that one window, and people aren't going to play Christmas games outside of Christmas. Hmm. Um, Do you think that part of the reason why 
Chinese New Year or the Lunar New Year isn't as big is because it changes every year for 12 years. And like it's less marketable. Like, you can't sell like a Year of the Rat game in a, in a different year. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I did not think of that. But no, I think that's actually cooler. Cause I, it, I, yeah, I love that. Like, I wouldn't do that because I want to buy a game that's set in the year of my birth. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you could do like a, you could do a year of the dragon game and then just let it, let it age, right? Like, it doesn't need to be. And then every 12 years, re release it. Because <laughs> then it won't be some stupid like marketing thing if it's like released, like if it's like released in the year of a rat and it's a year of a dragon game, like that, that would be kind of cool because then it's like, oh, we're not cashing in on the fact that it's like Lunar Year. We just made this cool concept with like dragons and like Lunar. Like, yeah. Like, what's the last cool dragon game that came out? Lair. Remember Lair? <laughs> that was the PS3 launch game that killed Factor 5. Drakengard. I remember the um, Dragon Guard's not really in the spirit of festival. No, yeah, that's <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah, there's um that dragon slightly different that, vibe. Um, was it FromSoft or was it some um, Platinum that we're going to make that got absolutely canned? Oh, that was that was Platinum Games. That yeah, was it looks sick. Scale Scalebound was it? Yeah, yeah, Scalebound. That was a shame. I, I think it's a like lot of dragon, dragon games. games are very Western dragon games. You don't really have a lot of like Asian culture. Yeah. yeah. Well, how how are the uh, how's the sword and fairy thing going? I'm just assuming that would know about this. In what way? Although is that kind of development community still going, or have been following it? Well, I mean, sword and fairy is not going anywhere. It's kind of like the Taiwanese Final Fantasy, so. It's it's a massive property. I assume they're working on another one, but yeah, it's it's they they don't do it. They don't have anything to do with kind of the Lunar New Year in them. Mm. Um, not that I can remember anyway. That's always just been on my list of things to play and never got around to it. They're great games. They're they're really great games. Um, they they do a really good job of conveying a different culture to Japanese RPGs within the 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 context or within the kind of the the mechanics of the jrpg so they feel they feel like they're, they're obviously not as refined as what final fantasy and, and various other jrpgs do but yeah they, they definitely feel differently different to play they've got different narratives to experience it's a little bit hard i guess for us in in the west because also the translations tend to be poor <laughs> a bit yeah. so yeah it can be hard to kind of get the full weight of the narrative that they're they're sharing but i have hope that those that will improve i think that's a that's an issue generally with um chinese and taiwanese game development because yeah they for whatever reason they just haven't got good translators that work on yeah it's kind of a nice rpg situation yeah it's, it's exactly that it's, it's improved so much now because so many games have come out of japan but it's not the same level of of ubiquitousness that other countries it's it's becoming more noticeable because there are more games that are coming out of china now and mm -hmm. taiwan you know there, there are a lot more games and yes they're still not doing a great job i can't think of a single game from either china or taiwan where the the the, the translation has been good you ever played chinese parents i actually don't know if that's a chinese game or if that's a abc game but that was very fun and it translated quite well. Okay. It's funny, I have a I have a housemate at the moment who's um, visiting from China. And the whole premise of Chinese parents is that 
you're raising a child to do the final exam in like the really challenging final exam in China to enter university. And he's oh playing God. Like, why is this a game? Why is this fun? <laughs> I think I think in general is I just I wish there was more ways to celebrate Chinese history in general in games. Because like there's some pretty fucking sick movies about China, right? Hmm. But it's Yeah, there's lots of I, I can't think. Yeah. There's a lot of like I understand that it's not just as simple as saying, we're going to make a game about China. But yeah. when the only games about China I can think of are made by Japanese devs, it's a bit like, uh. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you know what? Like, like, Wo Long is, you know, it's about China. Dynasty Warriors is about China. And yeah, yeah it's all made by Japanese people. And it's like, I actually, Loki love it. Yeah, why? Japanese developers make games about China and they really get the history. Like, they really do it fantastically. Uh, I was having a chat to my friend who's got a, a master's in international politics and relations in like focusing on Russia. And he was saying that he learned all about like Chinese history from playing Dynasty Warriors as like a 10 year old. But it's, but it's but like, that was how he learned about it. I feel yeah. like because Western developers making games about other cultures are rarely that considerate or all kinds, right? If you think about no. Shadow Warrior or whatever other Western game they've made about any Asian country. Like, it's just nowhere near the same level. Yeah. That's ready for Max to pop up. Yeah. Now I'm going to someone saying, I learned about Japanese culture from Ghost of Shima, you're like, oh, I do not want to talk to this man. I mean, the thing is, the Western game developers, they have this habit of overemphasizing the qualities that they think are Asian about mm. these things and it comes off as orientalist as fuck really and that that was really my issue with with ghost of tsushima though i don't think for a second that they went in there not intending to respect the the history or whatever that was obviously the intent of it but it just comes across as like a bunch of white dudes dudes that really like the kurosawa film so they decided yeah. to make a game from it they just aesthetize it they just take like the yeah the visual elements of it and just use those coat of paint when when japanese developers take on romance of the three kingdoms there's an intent there to understand the book i think and the history and do those characters respect within that without overemphasizing you know i mean obviously dynasty warriors is, is pretty over the top but at the same time it's not insultingly so mm. It's not drawing attention to the fact that, you know, this is exotic or whatever, because I think that because to Japanese developers, it's not. I mean, I know Japan and China are different countries, but, you know, culturally, they're, they're, there's not that. It's not like the exotic. It's not It's not exotic. The, role of the Far East in, in like 1800s English poetry that just led into our current culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah, racist. It's what we're trying to say. <laughs> which, which is why I mean, which is why I'm really looking forward to Koei Tecmo has a is it Koei Tecmo has a, another Japanese themed game on the way. Uh, what's it called? Another Souls like on the way. Oh, what that lo that looks it's coming quite soon. I, mean, I am intrigued. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Koei Tecmo, which looks like. Ghost of Tsushima, if it was done by Japanese developers. What's it called? Jesus Christ. Rise of the Ronin? Rise of the Ronin. Yeah, it is, it is that. Yeah, it's you. I didn't realize that was a Koei Tecmo joint. 
pretty sure it's Koei Tecmo. Isn't it? it's and it won't be as, as successful because it won't be as uh, what uh, Western people view like what Japanese culture is. So it's like, you know, you can't make a Lunar New Year like promotional thing without it being over the top with like, you know, some lanterns and red and you know whatever is the vibe of that situation in the western games because that, if, that is what it's yeah. like in china as well like, yeah it's extremely yeah. Over the top. <laughs> it's, but it's like kind of a nice yeah. resonance there is that it's it's gaudy for everybody mm. yeah it's like christmas everywhere else like it, you know it's christmas is not like christmas as we think of it it's let's go buy a bunch of shit and be really over the top and then get drunk and you know what? I like that. That would be my preferred Christmas themes, actually, is just a heavily commercialized, like, capitalist store manager kind of game. So, Monopoly. Yes. Monopoly Christmas. <laughs> no, no. The best Christmas game would definitely be, like, Violent Night, where it'd be, like, your oh. Santa. A Santa Souls-like, where you, you got to go that around film. chilling all the dudes because, yeah. That'd be good. Actually, that'd be really cool. in it. <laughs> no, I like the idea of a Monopoly Christmas game where you like you basically you're like the role is you're playing as like the Monopoly guy instead of like buying the properties. You're like you own all the properties and then like you keep people out on Christmas Eve and stuff like that and raise yeah, the rents. And... The rent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, capitalism. Do you think do you think part of the problem with doing a lunar new year game, Harvard, would be the 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 lack of awareness that people around the world have about Chinese games, if that makes sense. Like we, we were just talking, we we're making a joke about doing a Christmas game about Monopoly, but that would be viable. But do you think that Mahjong would resonate quite the same way? Because I think Mahjong, or go. I, I think know, it's these difficult are, because Chinese culture first entered the Western sphere through the Orientalist lens. So yeah. You get that problem where if you want to introduce Mahjong to somebody, you have to first overcome the barrier of also you're not trying to match tiles together and make patterns. Like it's actually a whole separate game. Like there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen because of that. So I don't know. I think I think you it, you encounter interesting challenges when you try to to communicate culture in a more genuine way when it hasn't been done in a genuine way before. Yeah. But I also think the problem think is that Chinese developers don't care that much about the western world sometimes well there's certainly that that's i mean fair enough they don't have to china like, china has only relatively recently started to export its games mm. like the game the chinese game game industry didn't exist as far as the west was concerned until five or six years ago it's, yeah. it's still very new you know but the ones that are being exported are actually people who want to develop games for the narrative or for the aesthetic side of things they want a wider audience the chinese market has existed for a very long time but it's mostly yeah internal multiplayer games to make money off Chinese people. So it's it's got its own fair share of problems. I think yeah. the, uh, there's a, a certain weird thing about being Australian. I don't know if this is because I grew up Australian, obviously, and all of us have, but it's the idea that we are a, you know, predominantly, like, in quotation, white, the colonial country surrounded by you know a bunch of asian countries and i think that most australians are far more approachable at least from my generation i feel and not so much older generations 
But like from my generation, far more approachable to the idea of being like, hell yeah, let's celebrate this. This is cool as hell. Hmm. Well, I mean, so, you're starting to, you, you do see that. I mean, the, the Lunar New Year celebrations in Australia are getting to be pretty large. They're quite as, big, yeah. And as yeah, Trent mentioned it's earlier, cool. even, even the kind of far-flung whoop-whoop, will you'll, you'll find Lunar New Year celebrations. And then yeah, just over the last couple of years, Diwali's become a, a big thing that we celebrate in Australia as well. Oh, Diwali's sick over here as well, <laughs> which is which is great to see. Um, <laughs> for for the same reason, it, it's good to to kind of recognise these other important events and cultures in Australia. But you're right. I mean, I think that in general, the younger generations are more comfortable with Australia being closer geographically and, and increasingly culturally to to Asia than Europe and America. It's just it's cool. And again, I, I hope that that reflects in the media that we consume because I, I want to see more stuff about it. I don't, I clearly don't know a lot about it given that my one memory is <laughs> <laughs> the wrong food item. Literally the wrong food item, <laughs> which I was given by a white teacher, might I add. It was um, not my fault. I will say it's one cake. Would you look a lot more Chinese than anything else? They have I feel try. like they've Googled it and they're like, this is a recipe and her thing from China. Let's make it. And he. <laughs> You're implying they Googled it in 2002 when there was one computer in my school that had internet. Google was big. Google was still a thing. I remember like being like a kid like and going to like the library when, uh, when like, it just came out and like using Google. And I'm like, how did we all figure out that Google was a thing back then? Like everyone was Googling and it was a thing somehow. I will it's say, I think, I think, I will say, and I think another issue that the games industry has, and we've talked about this, I think in the past is that with the exception of Japan, the game development tends to be kind of homogenized in terms of the cultures that it represents. Like, in film, for example, you can tell when a film comes from China as opposed to Japan, as opposed to Taiwan, uh, to, sorry, to Taiwan, Thailand, Indonesia, whatever. You know, each of these, uh, Nigeria, Bollywood, you know, all of these cultures have their own film industries which produce films that are culturally relevant and, and, and You're distinct, actually so and right. Oh, my God. And distinctively to that culture. Whereas in video games, you've got, Western games, which is predominantly designed in a way that kind of suits the American aesthetic and taste. And you've got Japanese games, which does have its own kind of cultural identifiers. But other than that, you don't. Like, there's a sense, I guess, that Chinese games might be different. But again, you, you then look at some of the games that have been, that have come out of China, with the exception of Sword and Fairy and the, the work from Softstar. Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact? Yes. That's yeah, a Genshin. Yeah. That's um you wouldn't know that that came out of China unless somebody told you. Like there's that's nothing in that game. True, but, yeah. There's nothing in that game that says this is a Chinese game. It looks the, like one one of <laughs> one one of the, the games that I enjoyed most out of a Chinese developer was about Napoleon. What the hell was that? Oh yeah, it was the cool. Banner of the Maid or whatever. Banner of the Maid, which is an excellent game again, translated poorly, but an excellent game. But you'd have no idea that came out of a Chinese developer unless somebody there told is you. One, because it, one moniker that makes me think a game is more Chinese, and that's like a very heavy management side of things, like almost feeling like a bit of an otaku game for the Japanese environment. Like mm. they expect players to be able to manage larger amounts of steps. Right. Right. 
but that that's just something that irks me because you know sometimes systems are complicated and i like that and sometimes systems are too simple on what in western games and i don't like that that's yeah yeah to me. i mean uh, yeah i totally get where you're coming from there i i guess the point i'm making is just that i, I would like to see greater cultural differences reflected through games i would like to be able to pick up a game and say you know this is distinctively chinese this is distinctively australian most of the games that australians make are not mm. identifiably australian i mean nobody know that armello is an australian game for example it's very um, true hey. the, it's distinctively australian game and, and it's fun when they do it like it's really engaging and interesting when they Goose do it game. Like, when that's so true yes when developers made <laughs> the the borderland that's the borderlands the australian Australia borderlands, borderlands yeah. Hogan Lions. which which was very distinctively <laughs> australian people loved it for that you know and i would like to see that more kind of across it i'd like to be able to pick up a game and say you know this is obviously a british game this is a russian game this is a chinese game you know, that would be really cool for me Unfortunately, I don't know if the the economics kind of match up because yeah. the more the more culturally distinctive you make a game, the more racist you tend to lose as customers. I but, think it's like games because they're made up of larger teams as well. It's a bit hard to do that. Yes, and there is that too. Like, there's not that kind of creative from the top. Yeah, like, a, yeah. a film a film has a very distinctive creative vision. Like the director is like the 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 one pulling the majority of shots i mean these days it's a little bit more complicated because producers tend to tell di directors how to make their films but yeah there is that sense that yeah there is there is still a creative vision from the person at the top and that as a result the film kind of re reflects the culture of the person that directed it yeah. whereas you're totally right a game has a million different creative voices that are yeah, like kind of Ubisoft put into it. like we're going to put Assassin's Creed in China next. They'd go, okay, our department finds some Chinese well, I mean, uh, and like story department finds Chinese narratives uh, and then trying to put uh, uh, together at the end. Ubisoft's making a game about, said in Japan, it's doing an Assassin's Creed in Japan. And that game's been worked on by like six or seven different studios from around the world. And it, it's, got, it's got a lot of creative voices that go into it. So it's going to feel very much like it's it's not going to have the same cultural impact that I think this rise of the Ronin will have, because that's kind of been developed within a single studio within Japan. So, it's kind of the, the thing that not, 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 I, I must things. say. I must say that uh, Ubisoft does do as much as I dislike Ubisoft. They do do a decent job of making sure that their their games are culturally sensitive, if not feel like a product of the culture like for example the baghdad one i played what was the name of it the one they released last year oh the new one yeah oh god what was it called mirage mirage, mirage. thank you trent yeah mirage mirage is really good mirage definitely feels like they've they've done their work in researching baghdad as it was back then and yeah it doesn't feel like it came from a, a middle eastern development studio but it does it, it's it's culturally sensitive enough We've come full. We've come full circle. Good job, Ubisoft. Yeah, I mean, I've always been. I've always well, been definitely. a fan. I, I have. I, I have always been a fan of how Ubisoft does research their history. Like the Assassin's Creed games, come across as researched, which is which is nice. Which is better than what most studios do. Yeah, and you can really easily feel that. I feel like even the general player has that sense of oh, this feels like it was done quite respectfully, and oh, this is not. You know. Yeah. You'd think so, but then a lot of people seem to think Ghost of Tsushima is mm. somehow. I'm the optimist, you're the pessimist. It's because we're in the middle of a culture war, and if it's like a, it looks Western enough that it 
appeals to like their vision of whatever culture it's mimicking, it doesn't really matter because they don't give a shit enough that to actually know anything further than beyond that. So they're like, sweet, awesome. It all fills in the holes of the preconceived notions I have about this uh, race or culture or country or whatever. And then it's like 10 out of 10, best game ever. I can have it very true. I think that a lot of developers at some point will appeal to the Western fantasy of a certain culture rather than the actual culture itself. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely it. Like, yeah. again, Ghost of Tsushima being a really good example, like the dude jumps into a hot spring and composes haiku, like, because haiku and hot springs are things that American tourists to Japan like to do, you know? That's that's definitely it. I love the idea of jumping into a billabong and doing a banjo Patterson. Is <laughs> <laughs> walking around the Fennec Conversation with some Rocky English Bush ballads. Rocky, Sorry, I'm just going to walk around the Hawks. a version of Waltz, Waltz and Matilda. Yeah. Yes, we need a Ned Kelly game, which is incredibly, we do like, need a Ned Kelly incredibly game. racist and like over the top, like Bogan Australian. We need it. We definitely need Ned Kelly game. We do. I think he I would think we rock. Need a game where we get drunk in a just Melbourne think like suburb. Red Dead Red Dead Redemption, but with a tin hat. Like it'd be cool. We get drunk in a Melbourne suburb. Go to the local corner shop, buy a kebab, get some dimmies, <laughs> put it in the kebab, and then that's the game. Like <laughs> you're drunk, you've got to find your way home. And then I, it's I like- don't know. If, I don't know if any of you have played have played like a dragon infinite wealth yet, but I will be though. That is I'm a very about it in like a month. <laughs> that that is a very interesting game because for the first time it takes the Yakuza series outside of Japan. Oh, what does it go to? Hawaii. Hawaii. Like it's it's based mostly in Hawaii. That's the sure. and it's just fascinating how they've taken like all the elements of the Yakuza series and localized it to to Hawaiian culture and, and whatnot. And it's it's actually really good what they've done. Like they've, they've done a really really good job. The way that they've reworked all the stores. Like the shopping systems, even even you start out the game in Yokohama, just like any other Yakuza game. So you're beating up dudes and you're getting money in yen. Then you get on the plane and the the game comes up with a prompt saying, "Okay, so now that you're in America, all the the money's being listed in US dollars instead." So the money system swaps over to. Oh, that's where that meme is from. Yeah, mm, I love and- that meme so much. And it's it's really cute. It's it's really it's really well done. They've made it very clear that you know this is a different city. It's a different culture. It's a different you know lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, good job. It's that kind of respect. It's it's the respect I think is the main thing. That's why I want to see more developers who actually have backgrounds in the in areas of like different holidays. I don't care what holiday is. Put it in your game. Who cares? Mm. Make it fun. Do it. If it's authentic, I'm here for it. If it's not, then like, don't don't do it. <laughs> don't imagine like a video game where it's like you were saying earlier about kebabs. Like imagine like a video game where it's like you go, you get a kebab, you get drunk, and then the video game is basically you trying to aim in the toilet the midnight kebab. I don't need a video game to have <laughs> my life. I disagree. I think that would be actually an incredibly fun game. Is like make your way home when you're drunk, but you play it when you're sober. So you just get to see how frustrated you get controlling this character that will not do what you want it to do. And everyone just hates you. I would actually oh God, really love it, that game. You could call it a right piss up. 
and, and then you have like buttons which like ra- yell racist or sexist or whatever that broken is, shit. Want to clarify, that is not my nights. I want to clarify that. Button. That is not what my nights are. Thank oh, you very much. Mooncakes at everyone on Lunar New Year. Don't. Have 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 like a have like a button mash command, which is like go back to your own country. <laughs> we need this. Maybe strat- not the race, game. but uh, that would be a fun tag. Is like <laughs> your normal controls every now and then just randomly become the wrong controls. So like the button for jump every now and then just becomes fall over, and just need to press it at not the wrong time. I do love the idea of just screwing around with that sort of mechanic. That's fun. <laughs>